0: Good morning, Venture Church. How you guys doing this morning, man? They told me I I walk around a lot. Okay, they told somebody is getting it this morning. Okay, hey, I walk around a lot. They told me not to go in front of these speakers, or your ears will hate me because it'll send a lot of feedback. But uh, man, my name is Kevin McNeil, and I am excited to be here with you this morning. I am planting a church. In Goldsboro, North Carolina, but I I really shouldn't say that I am planting a church in Goldsboro. I should say that we are planting a church in Goldsboro. Uh, A few years ago, I had some guys call me and they're like, Kevin, you should plant a church. And I said, Absolutely not. That is terrifying. I would never want to do that. And uh, they kept bugging me, and I finally said, Okay, let me check it out. And uh, there's a guy named Roger. He kept calling me, Hey, man, why don't you plant a church? Why don't you plant a church? And finally, I said, Okay, I'll. I'll give it a shot. And so my wife and I, we, uh, we came down here, we were on vacation and we visited Venture Church just to check out what church planning was all about. And uh, Chris said, hey, why don't you come down and then we'll, we'll get lunch afterwards and I can tell you everything I know. And I said, okay, and, and Roger, he called me that week, he said, hey, what are you doing this week? I said, well, I'm going down to Venture and I'm gonna hang out uh, there and then afterwards, Chris and I are gonna get some lunch and we're gonna talk about church planning. And Roger said, you're going you're gonna to sit with Chris Woolard and talk about church planting? And I said, yeah. And he said, dude, you're definitely going to plant a church now. And I said, I, said, I don't know, man. We're just going to be open to it. And so we came down here. We fell in love with it. We fell in love with Venture. And uh, that, that afternoon we got lunch. I said, man, on the way home, I looked at Maya. I said, hey you know we gotta plant a church, right? And so from the beginning, Venture has played a huge role in birthing the church that we're planting in Goldsboro and we couldn't be here without you. Like, without venture, there wouldn't be a Canvas church starting in Goldsboro. And so I personally am thanking you. I'm thanking you if you come. I'm thanking you if you give. Without venture, there is no Canvas. We couldn't be here without your support, without your help, and without your financial uh, generosity. And so I'm excited this morning to, to get into God's Word. But before I do that, would you, would you pray with me? God, we, uh, we thank you so much For who you are, we thank you so much for this church, this body of believers, these people that love you and that serve you. And God, I pray that you would just be with us this morning as we study your word. I pray that you would give us your spirit and help us to understand what you want us to understand. God, we love you and we serve you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I was 14 years old. It was the month of December, and I was buying my family Christmas presents Up until this point in my life, I had never bought Christmas presents. You see, when you turn 14 in Virginia, you get your workers' permits, you know, and I finally got a job, but up until this point... I really just gave them anything and you know what I'm talking about like kids you can literally go home you can take some macaroni noodles noodles, and you can glue them to a piece of paper you can write I love you and your mom will love it she will put it on the fridge she will be ecstatic over it but there comes a point when that just becomes weird you know like, if you're 25 and you do that, that's, that's kind of odd. And so I'm 14 years old. I got a job. I'm working at Food Line. I'm bagging groceries. I'm pushing carts. I finally got some money to donate to give to my family some Christmas presents. And so I go into Walmart. I got $80, and I am ready to just buy the, the most epic presents ever. I got a shopping list of my dad, my sisters, and my mom. And so I know exactly what I'm going to get my dad. I walk over to the hunting sports section in Walmart and I find him like a, you know, like a, a, what do you call those knives with like the million different gadgets on it? I don't even know. Somebody's. What is it? A multi-tool. Yeah, I got him something, some sort of knife with like a corkscrew in it or something. I don't know. I don't like camping. And so my dad, uh, I I throw it in the cart. It's $10. I'm like, sweet, this is great. And so I keep shopping. I go over to the electronics section and I see this Spice Girls CD. I'm like, oh yeah, my sisters love Spice Girls. So I take it, throw it in the cart. It's only $10. I'm like, man, I am making out pretty good. And I walk past the jewelry section for my mom, and uh, I, I see this beautiful like locket necklace, and on it it says like mom and son. And when you open it, you can like put a picture, and Walmart will do it for you. And it's 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 pretty bougie, okay? I say, man, I think this is it. And so I, I get it, I put it in the cart, it's $40. And so now I still got about $20. And you know what I'm talking about, though. If you're a kid, you can't just leave the store when you got $20. Like, I'm not just going to leave. I got to spend this $20. And so I keep walking around and uh, looking for stuff for myself, looking for money to blow. And then I walk past one of these cases, and it's like light from heaven was just shining down on it. I hear angels just calling my name, and I walk over to it, and through the glass case, I see WWE, Raw versus SmackDown. And I said, oh my goodness. And back in the day, you could actually play, I don't think you could do this anymore, you could play the video game in the store. And so I got to sample it right then and there, and you can't just give me a little bit of that, I gotta have it. And I look at the price, and it's $50 dollars. And I look at my cart, and I look specifically at my mom's gift, and I look at this game, and I look at my mom's gift, and I look at this game, and I start thinking thoughts, and you've done this before too, you start coming up with excuses to do the wrong thing. You look at, I look at my mom's gift, I say, man, my mom, she already has so much jewelry. Like, she already has so many necklaces. Where would she keep it? I mean, like, now we're just questioning the storage. Like, I mean, is she going to put it? I I might have to get her another jewelry box. That's just so much. What if, this is from Walmart, what if this necklace is fake? What if it turns her neck green? It's going to be embarrassing for her and for her friends. I mean, at this point, I'm saving my mom's reputation by not getting her this necklace. And so I I do this game in my head and it doesn't take long before I pitch her present and I get WWE and I throw it in the cart. And uh, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I'm like, man, I can't wait to get home and play this thing. But as I'm walking around the store, I still got to get my mom a gift. But I only have like five bucks. And so I'm walking around the store and I found my mom possibly the weirdest present I think that I've ever gotten anyone in my life. Uh, Christmas Day comes, and we all get excited, and we run to the living room, and everybody's opening, and we're starting to take turns. And first, my sisters go, and they, they open their Spice Girl CD. They say, oh, Kevin, it's so amazing. Thank you so much. You're the best. And I'm like, yeah, it's good. Cool. I'm glad you like it. And then my dad, he opens his knife or whatever that multi-tool thing is, and he opens it, and he's like, hey, thanks, son. I appreciate that. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. And uh, I'm happy that they like it, but low-key, I am really nervous about my mom opening her what I got her. And so it's her turn she takes this box and she prolongs it. You know, like I just want to get it over. She's shaking it. I wonder what's in here. I'm like, no, you don't. You do not want to know what's in there. And so finally my mom, you know, carefully, she has to save the wrapping paper. She, she unwraps it slowly, takes the tape off. And I'll never forget the confusion on her face. You see, I, I'm not kidding. I brought my mom, hang on. I brought my mom a squeegee, okay? This is what I brought her for Christmas. And she pulls it out, and I think that she thought I was just joking, you know? Because the standard has been set. Like, Kevin knows how to give good gifts, so why did he get me a squeegee? And when she pulls it out, she's confused, she's kind of laughing. And then I, I think she sees my face and she realizes like, no, my son really got me a squeegee for, for Christmas. And so she goes back into mom mode and you know what she does? She says something that makes it so much worse. She, uh, she comes to her senses. She says, she says wow, I, I've been needing one of these. And I'm like, no, you haven't. You have not been needing a squeegee. I felt so bad. I was like, man, why, why did I choose myself over my mom? At the time it seemed like a great idea, but man, now, oh, I feel so dumb. But if I'm honest, it wasn't hard to make that decision. It wasn't hard to choose me over my mom, choose me every time, it actually came just like that. You see, I think as people, it's our natural default setting to just be kind of selfish. Like it's our natural default setting to think of ourselves rather than think of other people. If you have kids, like if you've ever worked in a nursery or you have kids, you see this at a very young age. You see a kid playing with like a truck and then he leaves that truck and he goes to play with another toy, right? Everything's great. Let another kid come play with that truck. Oh, no, that kid is going to run back over. This is my truck. And, you know, it's cute, and we have to go over there and separate them and teach them about sharing. But the problem is, as we get older, that selfishness, it just grows and grows and grows. And if it's left unchecked, it can lead us to some really dark and dangerous places in our lives. And see, we are naturally selfish people. We're selfish with our time. Like, man, this is my day off. I hardly ever get a day off. I am not gonna go volunteer. I'm not gonna go serve. I'm not gonna go help that person move. I just wanna sit here and I wanna relax because it is my day off and this is my time. I'm gonna use it how I want. We're selfish with our money. We say, man, I work hard. There's no way I'm giving my money to the guy on the street corner. He can go get a job just like all of us have a job. There's no way I'm tithing. This is is my money. I'm going to use it how I want it. Even when it comes to church, we can sometimes be selfish. We go visit a church and say, yeah, I'm not going to go there because I didn't get anything out of it. You know? That preacher guy that told that funny story about his mom, he was good, but, you know, he didn't connect to me, you know. I missed a few weeks at church, and no one called me. And there's this theme in our lives all the time. It's this me, 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 me. And I think, I think God's Word has something to say about it. And so if you've got your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in the book of Genesis. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 4. And uh, I don't think that we have it on the screens, so you can probably pull it out on your phone or if you have your Bibles. It's the very first book. It's the first book of the Bible. You literally just crack that bad boy open. And we're in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. And what I'm going to ask you to do is uh, just hold your Bible open. And we're just going to discuss this story as we go. It says this in verse 1. It says, Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, With the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. Raise your hand in here if you got a brother or a sister, sibling. Anybody in here? Okay, we got, we got some people in here, okay. All right, raise your hand in here if you are entirely different than your brother or your sister. Okay, more hands. Okay, people have more siblings now. Cool. Uh, listen, this is the classic case of different siblings, okay? you got siblings who are not alike. They have different interests. One, Cain... He is this farmer, okay? He, he grows crops and he, he works with his hands in the ground and grows things. But Abel is this shepherd. and He works with sheep, he works with cattle, he works with animals. And so very, two very different occupations. And this is what happens in verse 3. It says, When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. You see, it's pretty simple. They both have different occupations, but when it's time to go and give back a portion to God, Cain, he's a little selfish, He says, God, you know, I got this stuff and you can have some of it, but I want the best for myself. Like you can have some tomatoes, but I'm going to keep these really big red tomatoes for myself. You can have some potatoes, but like these big potatoes, man, I'm going to use them later, so I'm going to just keep that for myself. And so he presents this this nilly-willy offer to God, and God does not accept it. But Abel, on the other hand, he does the opposite. He gives the best of the best. He's like, this is my biggest sheep. This is my fattest calf. You can have it all. And so God doesn't accept Cain's offering. God does accept Abel's offering. And we can kind of see like, man, it makes sense, right? Like, of course he didn't accept your offering because you didn't do what you were supposed to do. It's common sense to us, but not for Cain. Look at what happens in verse 6. It says, why are you so angry, the Lord asked. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, watch out. Sin is crouching at your door. It's eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. We're like Cain, dude. why don't you understand it? You didn't do what was right. Next time, just do what's right. Like, it's not that hard to understand. But Cain, he's mad. He's upset because he's not wrong because everything is always about Cain. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but I, I suffered from this so much, especially in middle school. I remember uh, one time I was, well let's be real, multiple times, but one time in particular, I was sitting in class and uh, everybody's talking, everyone's goofing off, and the teacher is trying to teach, and so in an effort to get the class organized, she starts calling people out. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the bad kids are like, yeah, I know. Uh, So what she would do is she would go over and she would write your name on the board, but that did not mean that you were in trouble. Okay? It's only when she came back and gave you a check mark then you had silent lunch. Okay? And so I remember I'm sitting there, I'm talking, I'm hanging with my friends. And sure enough, the teacher comes over and she writes Kevin McNeil right there on the board. And uh, I'm, I'm so busy talking, I don't even see it. Somebody has to like, tap me on the leg, be like, dude, you, you're, you're on the board. And so when I see my name on the board, you know what I do? Well, it's easy. I straighten up and I correct my behavior, right? No, that's not what I do. I lose it. I'm like, what? Why is my name on the board? Why isn't everyone else's name on the board? I'm not the only one talking. And my teacher says, Kevin, Mr. McNeil, everything's fine. You're not in trouble. I just put your name on the board to let you know you're in the danger zone of getting a silent lunch. And I cannot accept that. I say, no, that is not fair. You need to take my name off. You need to put her name on. You need to put his name on. I ain't the only one talking. So she goes over, she says, okay, Mr. McNeil, well, you've earned it, and she gives me a silent lunch. And from there, man, I blow it. I'm like, are you kidding me? I get up, I'm yelling, I'm like, that's not fair. You need to write every single person up in here. And she says, okay, Mr. McNeil, would you like to try for a second? And you know what I said? I said, sure, go ahead, give me a second. She puts a a check mark there. And she goes, how about a third? And I said, how about a fourth, let's do it. And so she just keeps giving me check mark after check mark after check mark. And we keep arguing. And finally, after 500 check (laughs) marks, my friends, they look at me and they say, Kevin, shut up. You got to stop talking, okay? Stop stop arguing. We're never going to be able to hang out with you again, dude. You have silent lunch for the rest of the year. But I was so mad because I was like, I can't possibly be in the wrong. And I think that this is how Cain feels. He did something wrong, but he doesn't want to take responsibility. He says, no, it's not fair. And this is what he does, right in the next verse in verse 8. It says, one day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were there, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. You see, this verse is probably the most devastating, one of the most devastating verses in Scripture. Because it's the first time that sin leads someone to shed human blood. And I think, I'll make the case this morning, that it's all stemmed from selfishness. Like, I would, I would argue this morning that selfishness is the foundation for sin to grow and to thrive. You, you, think about, you think about Cain. You know, he's selfish. He says, God, you can have some, but you can't have it all. I want to keep the best for myself. Okay, But then, as soon as he sees his brother do the right thing and his brother gets accepted, that selfishness, man, it's easy to become jealous after that. It's easy to become prideful after that. And you say, man, I, I want to be like him. And that, that jealousy, man, it just turns into anger. That anger, it just turns into hatred. That hatred, it turns into murder. And it all can be stemmed back from this selfishness. You see, I think selfishness is the foundation for sin. Look at this, look at it in verse 9. It says, Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, Where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? But the Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. Have you ever done something and then like instantly you regret it, you know? Like maybe, you know, maybe you're talking about someone. Maybe you're talking to someone and you say something. And as soon as those words leave your mouth, you're like, oh, no, come back. I shouldn't have said that. And you, you maybe see their face of like hurt and disappointment. You're like, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. Maybe you got into actual like fist fights. You know, you're so mad and you just blow your top on somebody. And after all the dust settles, you think, man, why did I do that? That's so silly. Now i got to repair this relationship. You, you just have this feeling of regret. Maybe you're like, man, I'm never going to hang out with that person again. I'm never going to go to that party again. I'm never going to go to that bar again or do that thing again. But then when you do it, you're like, ah oh, man. I can't believe it happened again. We we all know that feeling of like instant regret. Let me tell you, Cain has none of that. Like God comes to him and says, hey, where's your brother at? If that's not a cue, if that's not a trigger to be like, oh, man, I killed my brother. Cain says, I don't know where this guy is at. And God just starts dealing out his punishment. And, And you know what? Even in the midst of all of this punishment, Cain doesn't care. Look in verse 13. It says, Cain replied to the Lord, my punishment is too great for me to bear. You have banished me from the land and from your presence. You have made me a homeless wanderer in the earth. Anyone who finds me will kill me. Not once does Cain apologize. Not once does Cain say I'm sorry. Not once does Cain regret anything that he's done. He's just worried about his own punishment now. You see, Cain lives in a world of me, 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 me. And I think that that selfishness is a foundation for sin to grow. It's a a foundation for sin to thrive. And so the question this morning is, how do we not become like king? How do we deal with the selfishness that's naturally in us? How do we fight back against that? How do we combat that? And I think the answer comes from Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to be in, uh, in verse 1. Philippians in the New Testament is a little bit further down. But same thing, keep, keep that open. We'll work through this passage. It says this. It says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? any comfort from his love, any fellowship together with his spirit, are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with mind and purpose. Check out verse 3. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, Think of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. This morning, I want to challenge you to think of yourself less by serving others more. I'm going to say that again because it's not a complex statement. It's nothing deep or crazy. It's actually really simple. Think of yourself less by serving other people more. Um, I, I do this thing I just recently started this year. It's called intermittent fasting. I've been trying to like lose a little bit of weight, you know what I'm saying, getting a little tubby. Uh, but I've been trying to do this thing called intermittent fasting. And it's this idea that you only eat for a certain window of time, okay? So every day I eat around 11 or 12 and I stop eating around seven or eight and that's it. And I don't eat at all in between. And it's easy to do at night, you just don't eat at night. But in the morning, especially when I first started, in the morning I'd wake up, I'd be starving. I'd be like, man, I am so hungry. And I would sit around my house all day you know what I would do? I would just think about food. <laughs> I would think about 11 a.m. when I'm gonna make me an omelet and I'm gonna you know, eat everything in my fridge. I would just sit around and think about food. And so I starved. I was just like so hungry. And I never got to 11 a.m. because all I was doing was thinking about food. And so I described this to my friend who got me into it. And they said, Kevin, don't do that. Here's what you do. In the morning, you wake up, you drink as much water as you can, and you are as busy as you can. You schedule all your meetings in the morning. You do everything. The most productive you can be, do it in the morning." And I did that. I tried that. I drank more water. And what I found was I get so busy doing other things that I don't even think about food, right? Like I'm, I'm so busy in my meetings and, and planting a church and uh, you know, doing all this work that 11 o'clock comes, I don't even realize it's 11 o'clock. And sometimes I'll go 12, 1 o'clock before I eat. I have to force myself to remember to eat because if I don't, I won't eat and it'll mess up the whole schedule. But see, it's easy for me to forget about that hunger because I'm so focused on other things. I think when, you, when all you do is sit around and think, woe is me, you just think about how hard your life is. You just think about how hard you have it, this hand that you've been dealt, how, how other people have it better than you. When all you do is think about yourself, Man, it's easy to just say, oh man, life is so hard. It's easy to find yourself rooted in that selfishness. But the moment you flip that, the moment you say, you know what, I'm going to serve other people. If you wake up every day and you say, you know what? Every person that I interact with today, whether it be the grocery store or or a family member or a coworker, every person that I interact with today, I'm going to serve that person. I'm going to love that person. I'm going to make sure that they're having the best day possible. When you do that, man, it's it's easy to forget about yourself. And, And I think that this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, think of yourself less by serving other people more. But how? Like, how do we really do that? If you guys leave today, like when you leave and you get in your car and you go home and you're at work and you're living your week, what does this actually mean for your life? And and I got three things, and and they're not deep at all, but I think we need to be reminded of them. Number one, and this is huge, number one, be nice. Like, we live in a world where everyone is at each other's throats. Everyone is so impatient. Everyone is so angry all the time. Uh, as a church planner, all I do is work at restaurants and uh, Starbucks and Panera Bread and coffee shops. Pretty much, if you got Wi-Fi and you can give me coffee, I'm going to be there all day. All right? That's what I do. Now, I remember last month, I, I went into a, a coffee shop, and I, I think it was a Starbucks. I can't remember. But nonetheless, a guy that had, like, been through the drive through I guess his order got messed up. And so he was in front of me, and he was mad, dude. He was like letting this lady have it. He was just like, this is a terrible company. I want my money back. And so he yells at this lady, and he leaves. And so I step up to get my order taken. And this girl has already been like permanently scarred by this guy. And so she looks down at the screen, and she's ready to just take my order. And uh, I, I said, hey, how are you doing? And she looked up at me, and she was so confused. <laughs> I said, I said you doing good? And she said, Yeah, yeah, I'm doing good, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing pretty good, it's a good day. And uh, she said, okay, uh, how can I help you? (laughs) And I said, cool, I just want a black coffee, that's what I want. And immediately her confused look went into like a, please don't hit me, kind of flinching look because she said, I'm sorry sir, We, we are out of coffee and we're brewing some right now, it's gonna be about five minutes, is that okay? And I I said, yeah, absolutely, it's fine. I said, I'm going to be over there in the corner. I'm going to have my computer. So uh, I can buy it now or I can buy it later. You just let me know what you want to do. Let me know when it's ready. And uh, I I left, went to my computer, put my headphones in. Everything is good, right? Uh, A few moments later, she comes over to my table and she puts down one of those, uh, what do you call them, like the, the double frappe, china, cookie, crumble, caramel, like pretty much the most sugary drink in the entire world, right? She puts it down in front of my table. And uh, I look up at her and I say, hey. And she says, hey, I just want you to know it's on the house today. Uh, I'm going to give this to you. I bought it with my own money. And I'm kind of confused. I'm like, well, why? And she says, you are just like the nicest person. And I was like, I literally asked you how your day was going. That's it. And she said, you're like the nicest person. We've been dealing with difficult people all day. You can have this. I want you to have it. And so I wanted to look at her and be like, I want a black coffee. But I didn't say it, okay? What I did was I took that and I drank it. And I'm telling you, I got so much work done that day. Dude, that is the most sugary drink. I am pumping out sermons. I got so much work done. It was awesome. I'm going to order those every time now. But see, this girl, man, she has been dealing with difficult customers. How many customers stopped and said, how are you doing today? How is your day going? How How many of you have asked your server what their name is when you go to a restaurant? I mean, people are around us everywhere, and they're all broken. And and honestly, I think people are way more fragile than they'd like to admit. And so the best thing you can do to think of yourself less by serving other people more, the best thing you can do is, number one, be kind. Just be kind. Number two, got to be patient. Uh, We meet at a movie theater. I know you guys meet at a YMCA. Our church, we started meeting in a movie theater, and uh, we don't have any Wi-Fi. We have to 100% deal with our phones and like the service that we have there. I got so mad the other day because I was trying to pull something up and it was kind of time sensitive and it took like 10 seconds to load the page instead of like three seconds. And I almost canceled like Verizon. I was like, this is stupid. You know? So mad that my phone <laughs> didn't go up the space and get the signal fast enough to get to me. You know, we live in a world where everyone is just like, it's just instant. Everything's in front of you all the time. I think it's important to remember that we're people. We're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. And so be kind, but be patient with people. Which brings me to the next, the the third thing, forgive. Like forgive people. Look in, in that Philippians 2, this is what it says. It says you have to have the same attitude that Jesus has. In verse 6 he says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, and he was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore... God has elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names. In the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Man, the third thing, you got to forgive people. Like God has been so kind to you. God has been so patient with you. And God has forgiven you of all of this junk. Like everything that you've done, he's wiped your slate clean. How crazy would it be if you held grudges for other people? Like you got to have that same attitude, that same mindset. You say, you know what, even though you've wronged me, even though we have a terrible history, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to forgive you, I'm going to love you, I'm going to serve you more. And as I serve you more, I'm just naturally going to think of myself less. What would it look like in your life? If you left this morning and you say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going I'm to put this into practice. I'm going to think of myself less by serving other people more. Imagine the difference that it would make at work. Imagine the difference it would make with your spouse and with your kids and with certain family members and with certain friends. Now imagine the peace that would come with that, thinking of yourself less by serving other people more. I guarantee you, you'll get closer to people than you ever would imagine Imagine if we all did this. Imagine if every single one of us, we left that building this morning, we say, you know what, we are going to be serious about spreading the gospel, about being Jesus to people, about complaining less about our problems, thinking less of, of woe is me, and just serving other people more. Imagine the difference this church would make in this community, to this city, to this to this world. I mean, imagine... All of the, the benefits of that. I would challenge you this morning think of yourself less by serving other people more. Let's